Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast, the draft pick profile series presented by Verizon continuing on here. Ethan Greenberg, EA breaking down Jets third and final fourth round pick. Charlotte's Cameron Clark, an offensive lineman, played tackle at college. You're going to hear from Joe Douglas and his staff in this podcast on what they like about Clark, why he's a good fit for the Jets. You're also going to hear from somebody that covered Cam Clark at Charlotte. That's David Scott of the Charlotte Observer. But EA, Cam Clark was the third and final pick that the Jets had in the fourth round. Remember, they had 120, 125, and 129. And Joe Douglas, true to his word, elects to add to the offensive line yet again. Yeah, so we go back to free agency and uh, we think about Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten, of course, George Fant at the tackle position and Joe Douglas's first overall draft pick as general manager of the New York Jets, of course, Mackay Becton, number 11 overall selection in the draft. And then he continues to add to the offensive line in the fourth round with an interesting player in Cameron Clark because Clark is a guy who played tackle at the collegiate level. A lot of people who you have heard speak about him think that actually down the line maybe he projects more on the interior. But again, it kind of fits the criteria of a Joe Douglas-type player. Is He's got a mean streak. He plays nasty. Uh, and he has position flexibility. So Joe Douglas never was resting on his laurels with that offensive line, and he continued uh, he continued to work on it here on draft weekend with the addition of Clark. And Cam Clark talking about fitting the bill of the criteria of what Joe Douglas wants. Two-time team captain for Charlotte, so clearly another guy that adds to this fabric of the culture that Joe Douglas is trying to establish here. And let's hear from Joe Douglas and his staff on what they like about Cam Clark. Yeah, big Cam brings mentality, toughness, leadership. When we talk about grit, when we talk about guys that strain to finish every play, that's big Cam. One of our scouts said he was a, he was a high school uh, All-American at center. So a guy, you're talking about versatility, flexibility, and we feel like he's a guy that could give us that kind of flexibility moving forward and the right type of person and competitor as well. So we see him as being able to have the versatility to play both tackle positions in terms of a swing role. And then he's also shown traits for a guard in terms of his physicality and finish that projects inside. He's got a a good size. He's got a good ability to play balanced and stay balanced within a play that'll help inside if he needs to move inside to guard for us. So he's shown the traits to be able to handle both guard and tackle for us. Yeah, I think with Cam, you know, our scouts who saw him in the fall had solid grades on him. And then he was another player that was at the East-West Shrine game. And we interviewed him a number of times. But I think what we really like about him the most is the fact that he's versatile. Even though he's played left tackle in college, he's lined up as a right tackle. He even played offensive center in high school. So he may give us three-position flexibility in terms of center guard and tackle with the upside to perhaps becoming a starter. One of his college coaches, you know, they had a lot of different staffs there and and especially in that offensive line room at Charlotte. But one of his former coaches was on our staff with the Arizona hotshots last year when I was part of the Alliance of American football. And he really thought the world of Cam Clark in terms of his potential in the NFL. And again, another player that adds to the sort of the fabric of our team. 
There will obviously be an adjustment in terms of the height, weight, and speed of some of the guys that he will be going against. But, you know, he played against Clemson in his career. He played against Tennessee in his career. So there were glimpses of him going against higher level competition. And he was clearly a player that belonged at another level in terms of his college career. I mean, that that's the thing. You know, we watch these games on Sunday nights and Monday nights. Oftentimes when the guys uh, give the starting lineup and they announce the school that they're from, there are a lot of players from places like Charlotte and Southern Mississippi and Grand Valley State and places that, you know, typically aren't football factories. And, and I think one of the real benefits of taking a player like a Cam Clark or even a James Morgan from FIU is the fact that, you know, they figured out how to maximize their potential at that level in regards to nutrition, strength and conditioning, working on the field without having every bell and whistle that you'll find at some of the major schools that are essentially football factories. So I love that dynamic of some of these players and that they've had to figure some of this stuff out on their own without having everything laid out for them over the last three or four years. Lots of great stuff from Joe Douglas, Rex Hogan, and Phil Savage, as always. EA, when you look at Cam Clark's career at Charlotte, I mean, something that stands out to me, how often do you see a guy that plays on the O-line ends up being the offensive team MVP? How often? I'd say I'd never heard of that before, ever, on the collegiate level. That jumps out at everybody when you're going through somebody's bio and in 2017, he's the offensive team MVP. So that kind of gives you an indication of how highly regarded he was on campus. And then in 2018 and 2019, like you said, a team captain. And he was a left tackle last couple seasons. What? Started 12 games at left tackle in 2018 and then 13 more at left tackle. All conference USA first team performer last year. Intangibles with the captain accolades. One of the most decorated players ever to play at Charlotte. So Cam Clark is a four-year starter at left tackle. And we heard Joe Douglas and Phil Savage talk about this a little bit, but in high school, Cam Clark actually played center as well, in addition to left tackle. So while in college he only played left tackle, it's been a little while since Cam Clark has played anywhere else except that position. But when you talk about position versatility at the next level, the fact that Cam Clark has the versatility to play either tackle position and center and potentially either guard. I mean, Phil Savage said this when we heard him say he offers four position versatility for the Jets. I think that's very rare. And to take a flyer on a guy like this in the fourth round, I think it makes a whole lot of sense for the Jets. Yeah. Clark played 49 games at Charlotte. The last 31 were consecutive starts at left tackle to end his college career. And you mentioned the position flexibility, a smaller school, Charlotte, but a lot of people thought he stepped up and was able to play well when Charlotte matched up with Clemson, one-sided affair, 52 to 10, but scouts are looking at the individual prospects. And I think he jumped on people's radar the way he played there. So he's a long guy. He has more ability to put on some 
more weight, I would say. Last year, he was playing under 300 pounds. I know at the combine, he was, what, 307 or 308. But he has more weight possibly to put on that frame, especially if you're going to move him inside the guard position. And, again, he's walking into a good situation because Cam Clark walks into a situation where he doesn't have to be a starter right away. But, Greens, if you draft somebody in the fourth round, there's no doubt about it. The Jets ultimately view this guy as a starter down the line. So let me just read some of his measurables here. When you talk about hand size and you talk about wingspan, well, let me just compare this to Makai Becton. Makai Becton has 10 and three quarters hands along with a 83 and a quarter inch wingspan. And then you think about a guy like Cameron Clark, his hands are mitts, okay? They're 11-inch hands, which is bigger than Makai Becton, and his wingspan is 82 and three-quarters long. So he might not be the 6'7", 364-pound monster that Makai Becton is, but Cam Clark offers a lot of good measurables that stand up to a pro tackle or potentially a pro guard in the NFL. Long arms, tough one thing that you're going to watch out for early in his career is to see if he is on the edge and he's playing the tackle position is how does he deal with the speed of the edge rushers in the national football league? And how is he going to adapt in terms of his feet? Those are things that Cam Clark's going to be working on early on in his career. But in terms of upper body strength, people really like where he's at. And also he's considered a prospect who's pretty polished. He's a guy who understands the way defenses, how they're trying to attack. When you're talking about a Cam Clark who trained with Makai Becton in the off season in Dallas and those two kind of fed off each other. I think that's just a great backstory because little did those guys know that they would be joining the same team just weeks or months later. For more on Clark, let's hear from Olivia Landis, who caught up with David Scott, who covers Charlotte for the Charlotte Observer. David, the New York Jets drafted offensive lineman Cameron Clark in the fourth round of the 2020 NFL draft. You have covered him for a while now. He's only one of two players out of Charlotte that was drafted this season. What makes him so special? Well, Olivia, he's been a guy who's been with the program, obviously, for five years, was with the program for five years, and, and really progressed um, as, as his career went along, kind of like the program did. Charlotte's only had a, a football team for seven years, so he was one of the first couple of recruiting classes that the school even had. So when he came in, he was, he was more of a FCS kind of prospect rather than an FBS guy. Um, and so he made a whole lot of progress going going through his career, as did the program, which had their first winning season in school history last year and went to a bowl game for the first year. So he kind of mirrored what, what's been happening at Charlotte, um, took great leaps this senior year, a new coaching staff, new, offset, new offensive coordinator, um, offensive line coach who was the same guy. Um, and he really um, um, managed to, uh, to bloom under that. Speaking of development, this was a team and an offense that was ranked as Conference USA's top offense in 2019. How did Cameron Clark contribute to that? 
Well, he the the um, the offense changed when Will Healy, the new coach, came in. Obviously, um, they ran more of a spread type of offense, um, shotgun um, formations most of the time. So he had to be really. They had a mobile quarterback name of a kid named Chris Reynolds who who could really move around in the pocket and make things happen with his arm and his legs. So the offensive line had to. Um, be mobile and be able to move around and, and cam was able to do that as as a tackle um and i think that's one thing that'll probably help him in the, in the nfl if they move him to guard like they say they might because of his size he's got the footwork and, and has the ability and the agility to move around um and i think that's going to help him but yeah charlotte's charlotte's offense was kind of a spread um um, offense with a quarterback who was really mobile and could move around. And so when your pocket's moving around like that, that's a challenge for the offensive line. And Cam was one of the guys who was able to really take advantage of that, not take advantage of it, but adjust to it and, and do it well. David, I actually spoke with Cameron after he got drafted and he kind of voiced what you were just talking about, about how he's very versatile along the line, but where do you see him being best suited along that offensive line at the next level? Well, that, that's hard for me to say, but I think what I've heard and makes sense is is he probably doesn't have a size for an NFL tackle right now. Um, a guard might make more sense for him. Um, that that happened last year with the, the 49ers had, had a player named Nate Davis who was drafted, and he was a tackle um, in college, was drafted by the Titans, and is now their starting right guard. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two of them, and I think that's probably what will happen because of he's got the skills, he's got the footwork, he certainly has the the intellect that he could probably change up positions. But because of the size issue, it, it sounds like um, moving him to guard makes most sense. Well, when we think about his size and you think when we talk about where he might be best suited along the lines, when you look at his skill set, is he more developed in pass protection or the run blocking game? Probably pass protection. They run, they, they, the run blocking, they had a, a great running back and kid like, named Benny LeMay. And, and again, a lot of the times when they used him, um, it was out of a spread formation shotgun kind of thing. And so it wasn't your traditional, um, you know, line them up and, and knock them down kind of thing. So uh, Cam uh, is, is not probably used to that as much as he is to being able to move around. The pass protecting thing, he had to, he had to do a lot of things differently because of the kind of style offensive they, offense they played. So I think he's probably more ready for that with his agility, um, footwork, how he uses his hands. Um, and, you know, he's going to have to probably bulk up and get a little stronger to really to help out in the running game more. He didn't play against a lot of top top competition throughout his career um, in Conference USA. Um, the one thing that that you can say for him and a couple of the other guys who got drafted by Charlotte, um, Alex Highsmith, the defensive end, and then LeMay, who I was telling you about, who, who signed as an undrafted free agent. They played Clemson back in September when they were ranked number one. And and those guys, I mean, obviously they wanted to win the game, um, which which they were not able to, obviously. I think it was like 55 to 10 or something, but they wanted to use that game as an opportunity to show that they could play well as individuals against top competition. And I think he was able to do that. And, and I think that's one thing that's going to help him, his confidence as he moves to the NFL to the next level, knowing that 
he can line up against the best players in the country um, and hold his own. And he did that against, against Clemson. Diving a little bit deeper into Cameron Clark as an individual, he was the offensive MVP, the team offensive MVP in 2017, which is very rare for an offensive lineman. But how does that speak to his ability and his leadership on that team? Just, just a great kid. Um, you know, as a reporter, you, you look at, you always want to have a guy you can go to for a good quote or to explain things to you. Um, and, and Cam was that guy. Um, he kind of has one of these magnetic kind of personalities that, that draw people to him. He was one of the players that came to the press conferences um, more often than not chosen by the coaches to come and, and speak to the media and, you know, really articulate, funny, um, always had a good take on things. So I, I think that's the one thing that Jets are going to get from him as, as a guy um, who, who I think people are going to really be drawn to. And, and I think he can really mold himself into being one of the team's leaders. EA, now let's talk about where Clark fits in with this offensive line. And we've mentioned his position versatility before. Well, from a 30,000-foot view, when you add Mekhi Becton and Cameron Clark to the mix of what Joe Douglas already did in free agency, but really I think what stands out is the versatility of all of the players that Joe Douglas has brought in. It's just uh, so much more solidified than – 2019 last season the Jets started 11 different players up front nine different starting line combinations you knew Joe Douglas was going to emphasize the offensive line in the offseason he's done just that and we can work our way from left to right if you want because Mackay backed in you know he's going to play one of those tackle positions is going to be left tackle or right tackle who knows George Fant he has the ability to play both, and he did just that in Seattle. Chuma Doga, he's a guy I think can play on either side. And then you add Cameron Clark to the mix. And then on the interior, you got Jonathan Harrison, Connor McGovern. Both of those guys can play center, but they can play guard. Greg Van Roten, Alex Lewis, Brian Winters is still on the roster. You have those guys all on the interior. So, you have position flexibility. You have depth. Joe Douglas had made no bones about it. The best five are going to play. So with that being said, I don't think we should and may get too caught up in, well, is he going to be left guard, right guard, whatever. Joe Douglas is going to get his best five out there on the field. You know Becton's going to be a tackle. You know Fant's going to be a tackle, but in Cameron Clark's case, it's how can he help you depth wise early on, and where is he going to fit in early on in his NFL career? Is it on the inside, or is it potentially at right tackle, like you mentioned at the start of the podcast? Just because he played left tackle at Charlotte does not mean that the Jets aren't going to start him actually on the right side to begin his NFL career. Yeah, I think really what stands out, and I want to reiterate that I agree with you, we're not going to project who will play at what spot across the starting five, but I think really what stands out with all the versatility and the players that were brought in is that if something happened, like last year, the injury bug really hit the offensive line, but if something like that were to happen this year, I think the Jets would be in a much better spot because of the 
backgrounds of all these players that we've mentioned and the versatility that they have to offer where, for example, last year, Brandon Shell, who has never played left tackle in his pro career, had to switch from the right side to the left side. And then Chuma Adoga, who had been a right tackle at USC, ended up playing some left tackle last year. There were so many moving pieces for the Jets. But I think that if something happened this year where somebody got hurt, the transition would be a little more seamless because that player, in theory, would have already had experience on the pro level at that position. No, I, I agree uh, because that's the way Joe Douglas is building this thing. It's, he's very strategic. Yeah, he wants to get better in the starting lineup, but he has to provide depth as well. You never want to go through another season again. If you're Joe Douglas, where you do have nine different offensive line combinations, and he said he was going to embrace Sam Darnold, he definitely has done that. Now where you're setting yourself up is Sam Darnold is going to have potentially more time to throw. And also Le'Veon Bell is going to have more holes in the run game. And finally, that's also going to set up your play action game. So a lot of things working in the Jets favor right now. Now the challenge, Ethan, is how quickly can these guys come together? Because this is an unprecedented offseason and the Jets have gone through a virtual offseason program. And while it's been beneficial and while those guys are trying to get acclimated with each other, there's so many new pieces here. And it's going to be a challenge because the Jets this spring won't have the opportunity to be on the field together in the offensive line. As you know, it's all about cohesion and continuity and how quickly can these guys get up to speed? Yeah, I think the last point is really important here because when you talk to different guys, whether it's Sam Darnold or even somebody like George Fan, who we recently caught up with, they're all saying, well, yeah, you know, I'm trying to reach out to the players and the new teammates and the options are just kind of limited. I mean, it's basically like trying to catch up with your friend who lives across the country and you're limited to text or phone call or FaceTime. But the only difference here is for the majority of the players, especially on the offensive line, everybody's meeting each other for the first time. And that's including Sam Darnold. And even when you think about the playmakers, that's a whole other story. So I think it's going to be very interesting, not only for the Jets, but really the entire league and kind of see what the ripple effect of that is. And the long story short here is that with the Cameron Clark edition, the Jets offensive line basically has another tool to play with and that they're in a better spot than they were when they drafted Mekhi Becton. And they're in a totally different spot than where they were before the draft and an even different spot to where they were compared to the end of the 2019 season. But Joe Douglas, like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, stays true to his word. He adds to the offensive line two times in the draft, and then he signs Jared Hilbers, who played tackle for the Washington Huskies in the undrafted free agent process. So this line's going to look very much different in 2020, no matter who's starting. And like you said, the best five will be on the field come week one. And that was another edition of the official Jets podcast, the draft pick profile series presented by Verizon rolling on here. Next up, Bryce Hall out of Virginia. Virginia.